are back. You're listening to You Would Think, the Philadelphia Flyers podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Collington, and joining me once once again, Mr. Kevin Durso. How are you, bud? I'm doing well. Uh, long week. You know, as, you know as, as it is when you're on a seven-game homestand and, like, there's a lot of stuff going on, so... That is fair, but you know, at least it was three fun games this week. We are actually here to talk about three Flyers wins. Uh, (laughs) Quick programming note off the top, just before we dive into it. Uh, We will be skipping our show next week, uh, and in a separate but related note, this is also my last show in this current studio, so it's been a good two years, and... um, Hence why we're skipping next week. Yeah, and in our next show, I'll be in a different space, so... Anyway, um, so back just in time to wrap up the regular season and get ready for playoffs, basically. And also, while I'm here, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow Kevin on Twitter at Kevin underscore Durso. Not, not, that, right. not that I also not, also not that I need to clarify, but playoffs around the league, obviously. Oh, I'm very excited. Like, yes, like no. we're we don't just stop the show because the Flyers season is about to wrap. No. We're going to you know get into some of the other playoff teams, have some conversations around the league. We've kind Absolutely. of. Given the events of the last several weeks, we've really neglected the around the league stuff because we've had to. We've had no well, choice. when you fire I mean, when, a general manager, right? When you fire a general manager, that kind of takes precedence in your everything stuff, else goes out the know? window for about a month, right? Which is also why, and, and as you brought this up before the show, like we were talking a little bit before, we haven't really gotten into the games themselves. We've <sighs> mostly just glossed over with like, oh, okay, you know, they won this. We last week we did a little bit because last week I think we had specific moments to talk about. Yeah, you know, Owen Tippett had the hat trick the, uh, against Buffalo on that Friday night, and then the Saturday game against Carolina, T- Tyson Forrester scores his first goal. So it's like, okay, you've got some moments to go off of, and I, I think that the same can be applied this week as well. You're looking at the moments within the games a little bit and things like that. But I know that there is also a big underlying subject within all of this, you know, within right. the last five games, very much the last five games in a vacuum here. Right. Well, the, the last five, the Flyers are on a five game point streak. Right. And they've won four out four of them. Yeah. They're four oh and one in their last five all of a sudden. And nobody's not, talking about it. Well, not only that. Oh, there's plenty of people talking well, about yeah. it. Don't don't worry about that. No, not only are they went like have they won four of the last five and have points in the last five they are less than a second away from a five game win streak yep that's how close they are to a five game win streak that carolina oh, game I was hear wild you. yes it was yes and well and that, that look that carolina game showed you everything you need to know about the difference between carolina and the flyers and and i look i'll lump this in a little bit when we talk about the games themselves because i do have a theory behind or not a theory, but I have an explanation as to why this is happening. And it's not, it's not as simple as it's March, they're out of the playoff race, and the general manager just got fired, so everybody's loose and free. And I, all think that. There, I think there's quite a lot of that, to be honest with you. Well, oh no, I, that's think, I think the general manager not being there and the overall harbinger of what's to come in the front office. You know, it's part He's of it. He's weighing it's, pretty pretty lightly on the players' minds well, at the moment. It's I think a they're big, having fun it, with that. Right. It's a big part of it, but it's not the only reason because they fired they like or they not only say they fired, but like they once that happened, they didn't win right away. No, but it like, always takes had, a little no, bit. Like no, they had realistically two kind of lackluster games against Pittsburgh and Vegas, which fell in line with playing way better teams than you. The Buffalo game, Buffalo's been a disaster since kind of coming yeah. into that game. Like, not, like, when the playoff hope started to fall, the, it fell hard. The Flyers derailed and, that. Well, and they did, and so did just about everybody else who played the Buffalo Sabres. Right. I mean, I'm not saying Buffalo hasn't won a handful of games here, but, like, 
they've lost a few really rough ones that pretty much took them right out of the yeah, playoffs. Yeah, they're currently was, six points out, and like they have a game over Pittsburgh, but even if it's only four points, that's I'd, still like, tough to make up in the last ten like, games. Okay, here's the thing, and because this is coming into it. Lost to, the week before playing the Flyers, lost to Edmonton, lost to the Islanders, both in regulation, the 10 to 4 loss to Dallas, lost in overtime to the Rangers, which is a good hard fought game, don't get me wrong, against a team like the Rangers. Then they win against Toronto to kind of keep that hope alive. They had lost in a shootout to Washington, and that was kind of like this path of even though they only won one game leading into, well, now in the last three, they have points, and you're playing Philly. You need that win. Absolutely. And they lost, and they lost it badly, 5 2. And then followed it up with seven nothing to Boston, seven three to Nashville, and it's like so. I don't care that they've won the last handful of games, like they've won the last two going into the you know coming out of the weekend. Doesn't matter. You lot like you you, you won you can't one afford game. to have the wheels fall off for a week at this point in the season. Well, and that was worse than that. That was two weeks well, where they won enough. a game. Like yeah, you can't you, you can't, can't go seven eight no. games and win one. You can't. Not, not in March. Not in the current nope. day NHL. So so Buffalo, the wheels were coming off. Carolina, and, and this was admitted, most, you know, I think some players said it, but Rod Brindamore had said it too after the game. They kind of sleptwalked through the uh, third period. And then that's how the Flyers had a four to three lead to begin with. Yep. You know, so do they pick it up in enough time to come back and win the game? Just, Just barely. barely. Yep. But they did. And, and okay. That at that point, even the overtime loss is overachieving against a team like Carolina. You figured yeah, that could have absolutely. been a blowout. You know, you're, you're looking at the last four games leading into that weekend going five to three to Vegas. That's deceiving because at one point in time it was four to one early third. Um, five two to Tampa in a game that was never close. Five one to Pittsburgh in a game that was close into the third period. But boy, it got out of hand fast when it got out of hand. And otherwise, I mean, the, the type of games you want to see, good competitive games, but nothing to show for it, right? right? Like, that's exactly what you wanted. They played Florida on Tuesday. And rather than continue their playoff push, and I'm not saying that this means Florida's out. They're in the playoff push. Oh, yeah. They're, but they, uh... had, they had an opportunity from Monday night because they had played Monday. Florida played on Monday night. And not only played, but got a win on Monday night, 5-2 against Detroit, who is yep. another team, by the way, as we're going to get into with the Flyers schedule. That have fallen faded. off the cliff a little bit, yeah. Right. Uh, Florida, by so, the way, is currently three points out with the same number of games played as Pittsburgh. With a really rough end of the week, by the way. And I'll get into that in a second. Okay. But when they came in to play the Flyers, they really, given their current situation, playoff-wise and roster-wise, had every reason to start Sergei Bobrovsky in a back-to-back. Every yeah. reason to. Yep. And instead, they started Alex Lyon, which means they started an AHL goaltender. I love me some Alex Lyon. Now, which meant but that yeah. there, was only, there was only one of two ways that that game was going to go. Either Alex Lyon was going to pitch a shutout, or they were going to blow him out of the water. Man, I was expecting 4,900 saves. <laughs> and I thought that coming in, and listen, early in the game, it looked like Florida was going to blow them out of the water instead. I mean, you're yep. talking about the first three minutes of the game were disaster. And they got the game tied, and then it kind of was a slow build. I mean, the game was tied twice. And once the and then all of a sudden, late second period, bang, 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 three goals in a row. Quick. I mean, two quick. minutes in one second. And, and it was just, I mean, it was as, truthfully, it was as if the Florida Panthers forgot how to play hockey for three minutes yep. because it was disaster in their own zone. 
and that's when the game turned. And at that point, the game was over. And you have to give the Flyers credit for taking advantage of that and putting their foot on right. the neck and scoring because, three goals because because two, that's two months ago do. that team wouldn't have done that. Well, and well, there's a, and I'll well, I'll get into the reason why two months ago you're saying that. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Because there's a reason behind that too. And Florida has been struggle busting ever since. I mean, two really two losses again. I mean, if it, your playoffs hope your playoff hopes hinge on every game from here on out. You're down to the last ten, like roughly. I mean, most teams are some teams are within ten, but the Flyers are down to ten, and that's what I'm using as the kind of the baseline here because there's a, there's teams that have more or less and whatever. Yeah, yeah. I'm not getting into specifics, but roughly everybody's at about seventy two. So you're down to the last 10 games of the season. You got to win. If you have playoff hopes, you got to win. And let's just say Florida was done no favors by the fact that Pittsburgh won on Saturday, you know, things like that. I mean, the Islanders did not win on Saturday, so that helped. But beside the point, we'll do a standings update right before the end of the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just to wrap that part up. Then they play Minnesota, the Flyers do, on Thursday. And again, I get the sense that for a team that is locked into battle for a Central Division title, which which matters, by the way. I mean, and you, when you're oh, yeah. in this sport, when you're in the format that you're in, there's a big difference between playing number two or three in your division and playing a wild card. Number yeah, playing a wild card yep. that maybe just barely got in. Well, so, it'll be the better wild card because Boston's got the top seed. Well, this is Minnesota. This is oh, West. oh, oh, I'm oh. sorry. Yeah, then it's wide. It's wide open. Oh, it's open. Yeah. Everything's on the table at this point. Every, anybody out, anybody playing in the Western Conference could play anybody in round it's one. It's crazy. Seeding almost doesn't oh. matter because all the right. teams are just completely even. God, right. these playoffs are going to be great. Yeah. So I think that Minnesota kind of slept through part of the game, too. It's like it, it's very much the sense that you've got a couple of the better teams that are sitting there and kind of looking at this and probably overlooking it slightly and then having to really catch up to it. Now, granted, Minnesota, unlike Carolina, kind of had these moments throughout the game. They were trailing. They trailed first. They trailed in the second. The game, you know, they gave they got the lead at the end of the second, gave it right back within a minute and a half. Yep. Played played a majority of the third, got the lead again, which listen, if somebody scores, especially on a team like that, if somebody scores with six minutes and twenty eight seconds left, aren't you thinking game over to an extent? Like oh, it's gonna take something for the Flyers it's, to come back in this game. It's and they a erased the it. Loss. Well yeah. And they erased it in forty four seconds. Yep. Like Absolutely. It would have been super duper easy for that team to park the bus. Correct. And so you know, and then that takes you into overtime. The overtime was very conservative, very boring. Like, you know, we've seen that a and, lot. Yeah. And then and then you get to the shootout. And I'm not like I'm not I'm just gonna jump to Detroit at this point because we might as well talk about the same common denominator of all three wins, which is Carter Hart pitched a shutout on Saturday afternoon. And Carter Hart won you a shootout too, by the way. I have a pitch for you on overtime, by the way, since we mentioned a boring overtime. You know how ba basketball has the backcourt violation? If you take the puck behind the red line too many times, you get an icing call or something? Over your own blue line. I'll give you the whole neutral zone. But over, back over okay. your own blue line. So in other words, what you're saying is, is that you should have to circle back behind the opposing blue line, regroup in the neutral zone, and come back quick, as opposed to let's just go all go the way all back, the way back. Ask back to our goaltender yep. and make a line change. I mean, look, I understand the point of that from a line change perspective. If you've got guys who have been out there for a minute and you go, I really need to regroup and get fresh legs in the ice, then I understand it. But the and problem see, is you, then do, you do that three times in overtime, and if the other team doesn't get to do it, then you win. 
I, you know what? And, and I mean, the Flyers don't have anybody who takes over in overtime, and Minnesota no, does. But he no, and Minnesota does, but he wasn't playing. I don't know, man. Matthew Boldy has been pretty good recently. Boldy's he's, been he's very got good. I got to do that. He he, he does. Oof. And he no, and and in fairness, I believe he was the one player who had the one chance in overtime that Minnesota had, and it was uh-huh. like, oh, he, here he comes, going for. Oh, the I thought it was in. I thought it was in. But, but you obviously the other player I'm referring to is Kirill Kaprizov. And yes, yes. Like, look, that's a guy who can take over in overtime. Although, although we watched the Flyers play Minnesota in overtime way earlier in the year, and Matt Zuccarello sure took over <laughs> overtime with the move Quick. he made, right? Yeah. Um, uh, either all, way. Also, the best part the best part about the playoffs, since they're coming in three weeks, is that it's real yes. hockey in, the, in, in overtime. But anyway. Yeah. And you're right, by the way. Like, I, I, for a second, I was sitting there going three weeks, and like – it's because it's two weeks until the last right Sunday regular season game for the Flyers, and that's that to me kind of is like signaling the end of the regular season. But actually, you're right; they did send there was a release that was sent like with important dates for the summer period, right. kind of or whatever. And the playoffs do start on Monday, the 17th of April. So there you go. I'm so excited. Like, like that is the official start. So, so it's kind of a weird situation because they the NHL has a handful of games. It's two games on the 14th that were not there originally because of earlier postponements. Oh, there was some, okay. there was some. I believe it had to do with Colorado because Colorado is one of them. Nashville is one of them. Nashville had to postpone a game because oh, of flooding. The, yeah, they postponed two games. And and Colorado had to I think had to postpone the other game and I think that was think, we- that was weather related. Yeah. Yeah. Like nothing was... nothing's been postponed due to illnesses and things like that. Uh, like we had wild. all those times last year. Oh I know. It but it is interesting then, to see the NHL a little more willing to just kind of tack a game on the end of the season. Oh I know yeah that's very true. In there. And then and then after that you get the two there's two days off so the entire week it's gonna be an interesting weekend by the way where there's nothing going on. But right. But that is that is nice because I feel like other than the two games, obviously that yes. were affected, teams are gonna have four, five, six days. Yeah, depending and, on who you are. And for the most yeah. part, obviously depending on where the standings are at in the moment out west, uh yes. most teams should know their opponent at that point. And that'll just be very interesting for, you know, how many practices do you get in there? Do you get one? Do you get two? How much do you let your guys rest yeah. for the playoffs? Right. It's going to be really interesting. But anyway, back to the Flyers. Right. So um, let's, get, let's get into the Detroit game now because that was the last one of the week. And, you know, it was it's a very low event game. I mean, yeah. there was not a lot going on for you know a long time. Fly, the Flyers kind of. Took 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 advantage of their opportunities in the second period. They 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 really played both the first and the second period where they were the better team in the last ten minutes than the first ten. And the first ten, a lot of for both periods, was about surviving penalties. They had two, well, realistically three kills, if you will, in the first period because it was very early bench minor, and then Tony D'Angelo took a double minor for high sticking and. And they kill the whole thing off, which, by the way, one of the best penalty kills they've had all year, by the way, four-minute penalty kill. And Detroit didn't look great, but yes. (laughs) No, but but something that John Tortorella said after the game was about that there, and this is a Brad Shaw thing, an adjustment made to the penalty kill where earlier in the year they would have just kind of stayed in in position, tried to eat shots and stay in lanes as best they could. The idea now was chase people. Start challenging and putting pressure on guys. Don't even let them set. So – Clearly that had and listen, you're gonna see that way more against a team like Detroit than you will against, say, Pittsburgh or 
or Carolina or, you know, Boston. You're not going to, you're probably not going to pull that off against Boston with the skill level you have and with guys who have, with a handful of guys who have never played penalty kill before because that, right. that's the case. You're experimenting right now. And as you should, like, there's nothing wrong with experimentation in the, you know, in these games where there's no other meaning to them other than, well, let's see what, what this guy can do here and what this guy does here, right? And then the same thing happens in the second period. They took an early penalty, so they had to kill another penalty off. Um, they take a penalty late in the period after they've already grabbed the grabbed the one nothing lead, and off of that penalty, which nullified one of their power plays by ten seconds, basically yeah. they score within eight seconds of that happening. To so it's a four on four goal, but it but it gives you a two nothing lead, and, it, and 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 you know what? Like at that given point in time. That already was when it felt like we were on Carter Hart watch at that point. Like, the, by the way, the piece of drama that's left is is he letting one in today? And he obviously did not. Uh, also, I don't know if you guys heard this stat in the booth, but uh, on the broadcast, they mentioned that Scott Lawton has scored in seven straight, seven straight games against yes. the Detroit Red Wings. Well, we didn't. I didn't have to hear it on the broadcast, <laughs> even though I did see the clip later, which was was because they tweeted it. The the, the Flyers account. Oh, did they really? Seven in a row against that Detroit, is. which. Which, but but I do lo- I did love Jim Jackson's call on that where it's like, it's a, it's Scott Lawton against the Red Wings, so it has to be a goal. Like that's pretty, <laughs> that was pretty good. I like that. Um, but and then same thing, you know, same thing in the third period. They had two more penalties. They had to kill off, and again in a situation where the game could unravel on you. And and by the way, right as they get called for that last penalty, about five and a half minutes left, Carter Hart starts standing on. It. I mean, Carter Hart was not busy throughout most no. of. That first part of the game, I mean, he had—I mean, he had some good saves. I'm not trying to take away from the fact that it was like he was not tested at all. Right. But he really got tested in the last five minutes with some incredible well, sure. stops. Well, the one that he makes on—oh, um, yeah. I gotta look—I gotta look it up just to make sure I get it right because um, I believe it was uh, Bergeron, Jonathan okay. Bergeron, who gets the third rebound chance or second, really. I think it was two saves to- technically. It looked like, like, listen, from my vantage point, and he's it right was, in front of me, by the way, it looks like three because he actually bats it out of the crease with his stick instead of another player okay. touching it. And I, th- I thought it was pushed back in on goal and hit him. Uh, so I gave him a save, even though it probably wasn't. But, but it was dangerous one, for a long time. Well, he made he made a high save with, like, his left shoulder or with his right shoulder, I'm sorry, and he, like, shrugged one off. It went back into the slot. He got it out of danger with a stick, and then Bergeron's there to pick it up, and he basically has no choice. He's falling over that direction anyway, trying to push it out of the crease, and then just puts his glove up, and the thing hits his glove. Yeah, it's it, incredible. It's insane. And it, so it's, it's one of the it's easily his best save of the year. It's going to be one of the best saves in, of the year around the league because there were yeah. people. I mean, I don't know if it tops the save that I saw Ilya Sorokin make the other week. I mean, there have been a couple. Are you talking about there the paddle been a couple saves? really good ones? Yes. There have been two or three absurd paddle saves this year. Like yes. absurd paddles. Right. Saves. But that's a spot where, like, at that point in time, it's a two nothing game. Detroit's on the power play. That saves huge if you're going to oh, win yeah. the game. Oh yeah, because you know? they score there, and I mean, who knows? The push could be on at that point. Absolutely. Exactly. They pull the goalie. Things get interesting. Like, well, just... and for the longest. Put it away. For the longest time in that third period, it wasn't a high-volume shot period for either side. Right. And it turned into one quick because of those power plays and and the amount of you know desperation saves that Carter Hart had to make. I mean, I remember looking up at one point in time, and it was like shots were almost dead even or close to, and it was like 20, you know, 22 to 20 or something like that. Maybe Detroit had the lead there. And the next thing you know, you blinked, and it was down to the final minute, and Detroit was suddenly up to 29 
and the Flyers were still at were at twenty two. And oh, know? by the like, way, they still haven't let one in. Right, but the and shot then, volume went up heavily. And then I want to use this guy to talk about you know to kind of transition into our next topic here. But the empty netter scored okay. by Mister Tyson Forster, who by the way, yes, who, game. Who, now who by the way is back down with the Phantoms. That was an yep. expected move, and. Look, I, I'm conflicted on on this, not the part where he was sent down. What I'm conflicted on was John Tortorella kept talking about, well, the Phantoms don't play until Sunday, so we're getting a look at these kids, right? Well, and here's the thing. That's not true. The Phantoms played on Saturday night, so kind of in a way, Tyson Forrester and Igor Zamula, who played on Saturday, really probably should not have been playing Should have been Saturday. playing for the Phantoms. Right. If, 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 your, if your response earlier in the month, within the last couple of weeks, really, is going to be because because Forrester came up for the Carolina game and never by the way never went down right like like when when they played Carolina they needed Forrester and Elliot Desnoyers up on a, basically on emergency right and then decided to keep Forrester and use a call up on him sent Desnoyers back so they didn't burn a call up on him but they kept Forrester around for the seven games and the reality of the situation was is that. Even though Forrester gets points and like his first goal points in the weekend, like last weekend, and then goes into this, he really shouldn't have been playing in any of the games from Friday and beyond on any of the last two weekends. Right. Not if your response earlier in the month was going to be, "Hey, it's you know what? The, the AHL is one of the best developmental leagues, and they're in a playoff race, and these guys need to be part of the playoff race." Well, then okay. play them there if that's the case. Like. It was very hypocritical of John Tortorella to talk about how he how he was going to keep these two players around for the next three games that early in the week when you knew. Like, it, it, I'm sorry, it's too easy. I knew that the Phantoms played on Saturday. You should know too. Don't just push it to Sunday and kind of do this, you know, make your own version of the schedule where it's like, no, I'm saying that they don't play until Sunday because that's what I want to believe because that's when they'll go back, right? right. Like. And, and it sounds to me like they're not coming back up anytime soon, and there's not much left to do with this. Like, By my quick calculations, by the way, it looks like the Phantoms are currently sitting in the second wild card spot in the East. Well, it's not the, it's not the same Is it not the format. same? Okay, well, no. they're, they're so, fourth, they're fourth they're in their division. Oh, they're fourth now. I'm sorry. Are they, are, are they fifth? Yeah, okay, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so the five top five teams in that division make the playoffs. That's how the structure works. Okay. It's, it's weird. There's a lot more playoff teams kind of go around. Uh, there's sorry, divisions. Strange. Okay. Well, then they it's, only oh, have a two-point gap right now, so it's definitely a tight race. Right, so they need every bit of help that they can get. And 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 look, to their credit, they won. The Phantoms did win last night to kind of keep that going in the right direction. So without the players that they could have had, they still got a win. So now they're getting, you know, and, and, and I can only imagine what Forrester's going to look like in an AHL lineup once he's played seven he's games at the great. NHL level and, and, and produced. I mean, you're talking about a guy who now has, you know, he, he – <clears throat> excuse me he has points in multiple games in a row at this point i mean he really started to string it together he he had points in his last five games after the first two you know kind of getting a feel for how things work or, or you know actually it wasn't the first two it was the first three i'm sorry but like still because it was that two games on the road you knew he was kind of getting a feel for things nervous all that but he's got Plays seven it. seven points in eight but, games but, but but then plays against Vegas, and you could start to see, like, it was like, okay, he's around it, but it's he's not happening yet. And then he got the first assist against Buffalo, had the two-point game against Carolina with the goal, two assists against Florida, and now goals in back-to-back games. Now, listen, I will fully admit, the game against Detroit was not his best, 
no. even with the goal because it's an empty net goal. That's how you hey, extend right, the point. Right, right. Like, let's put it this way. Joel, Joel Faraby extended his point streak, too, in that game, and it came on the empty net goal, too. Like, right. it's easy to you know easier to say that when it's an empty net goal. But So, the kid's got seven points in eight NHL games. He's going to go back to the AHL but here's, but here's But here was the thing. like Because like, one of the questions after the game yesterday was about, like, with Forrester and he took he took a couple penalties in the game and is that like is that a bad thing or whatever or, or like how do you keep him from get like getting discouraged or whatever and you, you say and his answer was kind of you keep telling him he's doing a good job with the other things he's doing well I'm not focused on the penalties like right the, like it, it, I don't take the penalties as a negative but I focus on the positives when talking to him and he gets that and my kind of thought was is that like he took a penalty Forrester took a penalty in Saturday's game where he's trying to create he's basically trying to create a breakaway for himself. It's a one-on-one right. -on -one battle and he's going to he's going in there with the intent of I'm going to catch this guy off guard, steal the puck and go in on a breakaway. Yeah. And I I caught what happened from where I was sitting and I wasn't surprised they called the penalty. Absolutely but I'm going to sit there based, but based on that comment from John Tortorella, I'm like then that's a penalty he's okay with cuz he's looking at the way he's going He's trying to be aggressive. He's trying to make something happen. Trying I'll take that offense. penalty any I'll take that penalty any day. As much as he hates the offensive zone penalties sure. it wasn't an offensive zone penalty where it's like well you took a penalty in a board battle or you it took wasn't a, penalty, a stupid penalty right or you took a penalty in, a, in the offensive zone coming out of a face-off because you're trying to win possession it this was more of a, a calculated um, risk right yeah it wasn't yeah, reckless exactly. it wasn't stupid you weren't putting the team at a weird disadvantage you took a calculated risk it didn't work out. well you got called for the penalty and and there was and and here's the thing too it's what Tortorella doesn't like when they take penalties, especially offensive zone penalties, is when it's blatant. Right. And as much as I saw something that I thought would be warrant, like warranting a penalty call, doesn't mean I an think, NHL ref saw it. Well, no, 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 because the ref did obviously in this case. <laughs> no, I this know, was but called, but just in but general. it doesn't. No, but it doesn't mean that what looked like it was obvious to me and what an official definitely called is obvious to everyone. And so That's maybe Tortorella is looking at that and going. That's a 50-50 call. Like, right. he's trying to make something happen. There wasn't much there, so they, okay, they called it, but there wasn't much there. Right. I'm okay with it if there's not much there. Like, we could argue we could argue for days that that was not supposed to be a penalty, right? Like, that's, right. that's the kind of thing that's right. So, all right, so do you want to get into the next kind of subject now that we've kind of highlighted all the games and we can go into some of the players in the meantime? We're going to go into yeah. some of the players in the meantime because we're yeah. going to do that. Well, oh, you want, to do the, you want to do this first? Yeah, okay. the young players. That's why I was kind of starting with Forrester. Oh, okay, because so I thought we were I talking really, about the other frustration. Oh, uh, no, I want to I, I want to stay on the high note here. I want to stay having fun. I want to stay talking about the kids because I think the kids have been a lot of fun here. Uh, right. ty, ty, you know, Tyson Forrester has looked great for the most Sure. You know, overall, well, he is what he is, asterisk because he's a rookie, et cetera, et cetera. But he's looked great well, from what we've seen in him. Well, you can't deny what he did on Thursday. I mean, the shot no. that he took on Thursday is exactly what he's been advertised for. And if he can bring that into stellar, you know, if he can bring that into regular regularity, I mean, what he just did in, in, in particular in the last five games, obviously, where the points are piling up because he's going to need to be an offensive guy if he's going to play at the NHL level. That's what they drafted him for. He's got a shot. He's going to need him to be an offensive guy. If he's going to be an offensive guy, then he's kind of in the last five games very much had the kind of first impression that Noah Cates had last season where it like, Oh, he played in, in enough games that it was like, look at how that came together. Even in that small sample, he's going to be one to watch next year. And I think that that's fair. And at the very least, I don't know if he's making the team out of camp next year because that's not how John Tortorella operates. It's not about, Hey, just because you had seven great games and, and he's, 
and like Tortorella has gushed about this kid for the last week and a half. Sure. And he seems like he's loving every bit of what he's doing. And I understand why I, I like, sure. I get it, but I don't think that Tortorella is the type of coach who takes that and says, that's the full stock of the player. No, he's not going to sit there and go like, like but, we said that about Noah Cates and Noah Cates had to make a first impression on Tortorella starting this year anyway. And that's how you stay and in a coach's good graces all year long is if he comes to camp ready and Forrester needs to, we talked about this last week because it was a quote that specifically I had asked the question about Forrester and that's when Tortorella said he's, well, he's a tall drink of water. He has nothing. He's got a, he's still got a lot of room to grow, obviously. Well, that's part, that's going to be the key part of his off season. Absolutely. How much does he grow physically and how much does he take what he's done at the tail end of this season and come in and apply that because if he's not close to that level of play, like there's obviously so much more room for him to grow from what he is today after just these seven games. So if he's not at least the player that he is right now in camp next year, then he's not making a team right? because he's, because Tortorella is not going to accept that. Right. And the good, the nice thing is it's, it's interesting watching hockey go in this direction. Mm -hmm. More and more guys are starting to work out earlier, are getting in better shape, right. are doing more work in the offseason, are staying active longer, are um, even just overall around the league, I would say guys are partying less. I would say guys are drinking less. I would say guys are working out more. Guys yeah. are on health plans more. Stuff like that. Um, if so it's, a big, it's a big trend. You're not right. wrong about that. It's and, a very big trend. And if Forrester's one of those guys, then I have no concerns about him in the slightest because he's going to go become a monster in the offseason. Uh, and if he's not, I mean, whatever, maybe he will be. But it is interesting to kind of watch the league go in that direction. And right. it's amazing how much more we expect out of guys. Like, we expect now Forrester to go add probably 10 to 15 pounds of muscle come in massive and make right. the team and be a monster. The important part with what you're talking about is that we, yes, it's expected now. I, but I think that there's a really big importance on that happening early in a player's career. Absolutely. It's better talk, for you. Well, right. But if you're still talking about physicality, strength, you know, kind of the ability to muscle players, if we're still talking about so like let's this way, we can we still have that conversation or we can. I like I ha I've had it at games, I'll say it that way right. instead, because I don't right. know if we've talked about it on the show. Okay. I've had it at games. Travis Sandheim still hasn't like completely, it feels like grown into his body That's the way fair. that he needs to, the way that he needs to. We're talking about Joel Farabee needing to do this in the offseason. Well, you're getting further into a playing career where it's a little harder to do that when you've yeah. played a lot. You know, it's, the more mileage that you put on a, on the body, the more the rehab you need to be. do in the offseason, the more exactly. surgeries you need to get done, the more recovery right. you need to do. Well, and imagine what it's like for a player who and especially players who could be doing this essentially today because they're not playing. Right. Imagine how hard it is for a player like Sean Couturier to build back a lot of what you lose from con consistently playing well, the, for the two bar, years. And the bar is so high years, now. You know right. I mean? And the bar is so high now that the work right. you have to do to get back to that level is insane. But the issue with what I'm talking about is is if we're talking about that from a question of, well, okay, Travis Sanheim could afford to get stronger. Wade Allison could afford to get stronger. Owen Tippett could afford to get stronger still. Like there's guys like there's there's so many guys that you can say that about 
And then you're going to be saying the same thing with anybody who's new, basically. I mean, right. no, Noah Cates and Morgan Frost are two of those guys, too. Like, and Cates is probably a little bit further along in that because he's he's way better of a he's so far he's been way better of a two-way player than frost has been this year but frost has been looking but frost has been looking better lately because kate's got way more of the mileage early in the year kate's was getting way more minutes so now kate's is wearing out a little bit because let's be real you went from playing a college season and a few and a few extra games with the flyers at the end of that last year to full 82 and he hasn't missed a game and he hasn't taken a shift off from what I can gather the entire year. Like he hasn't had any instance where it's like, oh, he's potential injury scare with Noah Cates. It hasn't happened yet. And, no, Noah and, Cates has looked fantastic. And by the way, up until this week, because in back to back games he took a penalty, he had four penalty minutes going into this week. Four. So it means wow. you're playing all the time. Like you're never even in the box. Noah Cates has cemented himself for me as a guy that I would like to see through this rebuild. Oh, he's probably going to. I, I highly the, and the big very thing, and very likely with a letter at some point. I think that that's possible. I'm not going to just jump and say it's uh, going fair. to happen. And I'm sure and I'm saying over the next several years with a lot of roster turnover, obviously. As it is. Let, let's put it this way: you can do a lot worse than Noah Cates has done in this this season, which will still technically qualify as a rookie season because yep. he only played 16 games last year. Um that will qualify as a rookie season. You can do a lot worse than, and I'm not even worried about the numbers, but you can do a lot worse than winning over a coach like John Tortorella. You know, you can do a lot worse than that. So if he wins over Tortorella to the quality of this guy has leadership capabilities, then I, I'm pretty sure that just about any coach in the league would find a way to see that. But he's having, you know, and he's got areas of his game. He needs to work on one of, you know, he, he definitely needs to be a better face-off guy. He's had he's been abysmal in face-offs over the last roughly week. I mean, he's been just absolutely abysmal. And he's working on it in practice, don't get me wrong, but it's going to take a lot of time. In case you were wondering, Noah Case is currently plus 4,000 to win the Calder. <laughs> Maddie, great number. Maddie Beneers is minus 370, so. Because there's nobody else. <laughs> no. really a, there's not even really oh, anybody else. Oh, trust but, me. I know. I picked up Maddie Veneers in fantasy. It was wonderful. Oh, there you go. Um, but but the you know but eleven goals and thirty three points is a really good starting point for a guy who is just kind of getting there and you know you know what's interesting about Cates compared to maybe somebody else on the roster that I'm going to bring up because this is a mile sort of a milestone for him so to speak. Um, do you know? I'm going to ask you a question. Great. Do you know what Scott Lawton's career high in points was before this season? Because he's obviously said it this year. So before this season. 44. No. Lower than that? It's way lower. 34. That's closer. 32. Okay. Um, which I, I hear you. 32. It's kind of surprising, isn't it? Now, here's the thing. How it's long, not, though. Well, okay, fine. But how long has Scott Lawton been in the league? It, forever. Right. So, no, but I'm Almost saying. Almost 10 years. It's getting, you're getting close. I yeah. mean, re, okay. So, realistically speaking, his NHL debut was. 10 years ago. Right. But he this, wasn't a full-time NHLer. He well, he wasn't a full-time NHLer in his first year. He wasn't really in the second year. He was kind of a halftime, if you will, because he played yeah. 31 games. Then he had a full season, like a legit full season, 71 games. Yep. And then that was the year that well, I don't know if that was the year completely. Um cuz I'm okay, I'm getting st- I'm getting some stuff mixed up all over the place then cuz now I remember. And now I remember some stuff correctly here. Okay. He 
because he had played the five games in the 2012-2013 season. Wow. He, he, did not, he didn't play in the regular season in 2013-14 at all. Okay. But he did play in the playoffs that year because he got hurt against Washington. Right. So he didn't play at the NHL level right away. So that's what, like the next year. So 14-15, that's part of the explanation for the, the 31. Uh, rough, rough game toe because he was yeah. kind of between the two leagues because he barely got played. I mean, he was playing in a playoff game and maybe got two playoff games before that injury happened, two or three. And so he's, you're talking about a guy with less than 10 games of NHL experience combined between the playoffs and regular season. And now he's just suffered a big injury. And that Washington gonna, series was tough. I know. So then in in so he plays in 15, 16, 16, 17, he only played two games at the NHL level. He was primarily in the minors again. And then re, yep. then really became a full timer in 17, 18. And since then has played regularly. But but that's still five full seasons in a row. And he's never topped 12. He's never topped 13 goals and he's never topped 32 points until now, 18 and 41. For a but very, the, very, very long time, people thought Scott Lawton was a bust. Sure. And I'm not, and, and listen, he's still not like for a first rounder, he's not elite. He's not what you want. Right. Right. Well he no, he is he's exactly and not out of a first rounder. Right. Right. No, but you no, want no, no. you want to pick a, Scott Lawton in the third round. Well, I wouldn't even go that far because to me, here's where I'm here's where I'm getting with that. I think that the way that first round first rounds of these drafts work is once you're into the bottom half of the draft, like the oh, players were all those years when they picked. We all know you're not, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I know, but I'm saying then, then what do you think you got? No, that's a third exactly line, qual- a third line yeah. quality player. Who's yeah. a leader. Cool. That's a first round pick. And at 25th or 20th, you know, whatever he really was, I, I have, I have it in front oh, of me. He's and 20th. that's, and that kind of sums up our biggest problem with the last twenty years of the Flyers picking in the mid twenties well, because those are the kind of players you get. Oh, well, and that's going to be a good, it's going to be a right. good segue to the next point because we're going to get to it. But but my point was is that okay, so Noah Cates already has eleven goals and thirty three points in a rookie season. Where do, you know it took Scott Lawton his entire career to this point to get thirty three points, and he's had eleven he and he'd had had eleven goals three times prior to that, like prior to this season, but. Only, you know, it took, again, it took several full-time years, took more than two, you know, two, three full-time years for him to get to that marker and show that kind of growth. So, you know, Noah Cates is probably, you know, he, I think what he is is ideally third liner, primarily, you know, could be a second liner with growth, but he's not going to play, you know, they have him playing top line quality opponents and top line minutes without being a true top liner. And that's, you know, and that may, that may kill some of the uh, offensive numbers too, because he's being put in situations where he's around guys who are going to try to, I mean, you got to realize something before, before the injury, he was playing with Travis Konechny at times. That will get you points. That is true. Uh, But the fact that he's still holding his own there, even though it's might not be the the role he's most suited for looking forward. Right. um, The fact that he's holding his own there, he's showing that he can play at the top of a lineup is nice because Think about a Michael Roffel type. Third liner, could play on your first line, could contribute a little bit. Obviously not an ideal situation. Right, and I think I think that's important. But if you, you want to have juggle your who... lines, you got to have some options. And he's a guy that can go up to your top six and still right. well, that's not what be I was about to say. And that's what I was about to say. You definitely want to have a guy who you feel like is in a position as a leader to step up. Yep. But the key is, you know, making it happen that way. I, I do want to play something really quick that's a because uh, we have a couple more John Tortorella clips to get to for the okay. next part of what we're going to talk about but I want to yeah. play this because we because we're going to get off of the win three straight and win yes. four out of five because because the Flyers have have won these games lately and leading into that they had lost 
They they lost four in a row, beat Detroit, and then lost four more in a row. Yeah. So they had lost it eight of nine. Really. So they had lost eight of nine realistically. And by the way, seven of them were in regulation. And even before then, they had gotten another like since since the All Star break, they were, you know, they had. Well, I have one, two. It was three wins, and then. I got what two in overtime, so everything else was a regulation loss, and we're talking like ten games in fe- in February, and then that was another seven, six, seven into March. So you're talking you're talking three wins, two overtime losses, and eleven regulation losses. So the other day at practice, this is leading up. This is pregame for the Buffalo game, just when they're about to go on this little run, right? And and Jordan Hall asked a question that we've now been egging him on about since because. Since this question was asked, the Flyers have gotten points in five straight and won four or five. Let's let's just take a listen, okay? Okay. Um, we know, you know, a big thing moving forward over these final 15 games will be teaching and development, but a big part of development, I think, is winning a game from time to time, too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't you think? think I, no. Yeah, no. Yeah. yeah. How, how important would... Getting a couple wins here, so these guys are believing. Yeah, j- just just for their sanity, because see, I don't think we've played poorly. I, I, I we've played well enough to lose games, and our schedule the last four games. I think we've hung in there, and three out of those four games, I think we've done some really good things. But we find we just don't win. Um, th- there's no. <laughs> I, I, I I I we're going about our coaching as we always do, and I think the players have played hard. But, uh, you know, the last game, we score three goals, right? We take a gloving the puck in the neutral zone putting it and grabbing it as a penalty. We take too many men on the ice. And it hurts us. It comes back and hurts us because we crawl back into it. We still don't win. So we've, we've got to try to get everything in order, our discipline, and continue to work hard and try to find a way to win. So there's, uh, when you're developing people and, and, you, and you're trying to uh, find a way to teach them how to be pros, Winning is important. That, that's why they put the uniform on. So it's been it's been very frustrating for everybody. So basically, the the comment was right. The comment was don't for development's sake. Don't you need to win a game from time to time? And Torch just starts laughing, like like. Wouldn't it be great if, yeah, of course it would. Like, like right. and, he go, he, and he just goes, you think? Well, right. Of course, <laughs> we've talked about it here before on the show. Like, the players aren't going out there to lose. The The coach isn't go- coaching to lose. Everyone out there is competitive. They are all professionals. They are all trying their absolute best to win every single hockey game they possibly can. Exactly. And that was what, so that was just, I, I just wanted to bring that up because that was a funny moment. Yeah, absolutely. You know, of course. And, and it then, just, it's just hilarious. By uh, the way, and I, by the way, I'm going to, I'm going to pull this clip up too, because I know that again, to get off of the last four games or whatever, I said, I had sent you this earlier. So I know you okay. know what this is. Yeah. This, this is John Tortorella's response. Cause by the way, one of the, uh, the so, win against minute. The win against Minnesota was his 700th career win, which, by yeah. the way, congratulations, I this, John. I didn't have this at the ready yet. I should actually get this pulled up really quick because um, I I don't remember. Or I didn't see it off the top of my head anyway. Where that ranks him all time in coaching, you know, from I coaching. Think, I'll take I'll take a look at that. Um, I think among American coaches, he's 
Oh, he's one of the top among American coaches, no question about it. It was, um, it was where does you know where does this rank him? I know I know exactly where to find it. So, you know, because Hockey Reference is going to help me out here. So, um, he is now so he's eleventh all time. Actually, okay, that's oh that's funny. He's eleventh all time, and seven oh one, which came on Saturday, helped him move past Mike Babcock. Okay. For 11th by himself. By the way, do you know who's number 10 on the list? Who would be next for him to pass? He's not going to do it this year, obviously. There's not enough runway left. But Who's that? Elaine Vigneault. <laughs> Better get hired, <laughs> Elaine. Um, but no, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the only other American coach who is on this top 10 list is none other than Peter Laviolette. There you go. Yeah, I know they've been kind of trading it back and forth for a couple of years. Well, Laviolette's now got Tortorella by fifty wins. Well, because so. Tortorella spent a year in the broadcast in in the studio. Yes. Sure, um, of course. So he's definitely gonna you know stay a year beyond Laviolette because he's petty like that. Uh, five anyway. of the uh, five of the top eleven coaches, by the way, are still actively coaching today. Wow, by the way, which is uh, yeah. Wow. Um, okay, so we are. Oh, so hold on. I, I, I did want to play this yeah, for everybody really for quick. The quick. The quick response to uh, winning 700. John, this is your 700 win. Does that mean anything to you tonight? No. <laughs> Short, sweet, yeah. to the point. Does it mean anything? No. no but which, now, now, here's the funny part of that, by the way, because Elaine Vigneault got to, like, I, I forget where he got to. Maybe it was 700 also or something. I don't remember. What, what exactly was it that it was moving into the top 10 it was something like that i, I forget it was 700 exactly what it, was. it could have been but he was. got asked the same thing and instead of just coming out with no he laughs at it and says no like because because the difference between av and torts you know right um but let's so, get into this topic because this is like the really big one for the rest of the. Yeah, I mentioned earlier in the show the Flyers have won uh, three in a row and gotten points in four out of their last five, four zero and one in those games. It's too many points is the problem. Sure. Uh, you've well, pa- you've passed uh, Phoenix I, or Arizona. Sorry, I believe. Did you also pass Montreal or were they already ahead of them? Uh, they've kind of gone back and forth, yeah. but yes, you're now ahead of Montreal at this given moment. Either way, like, as we sit now, the Flyers currently have the seventh best draft odds, and the way the standings are kind of shaken out, they can still climb their way to a top five pick, but it won't be any higher than fifth. Right. Um, so I got one more Tortorella clip, which I'm going to play right after I say this part to start with, because... okay. I'm trying to. I'm trying to remember which game it was that this came after. I think. It, I guess it. You know, it had to be after the Minnesota game because the clip is from practice on Friday. Okay. So this is before Saturday, and they had just be, again. It's because I think it was because of the unlikely nature of like, it's they beat Minnesota in a shootout. Since when are we winning <laughs> shootouts now? Kind of stuff, right? Like, like I get yeah. it. So, so my my whole thing to start with was, and I had to, I had to answer this and. Uh, listen, Torts had to do the same thing the other day because it was the same concept. No team in the league is tanking or going to tank. It's just not going to happen. Have you okay? seen what Chicago's done this year? <laughs> no, Chicago's still won some games recently, and I have, I have, yeah. no, I have, I have the receipts to prove that they're not tanking completely. I know. okay, but let's 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 hear what Torts thinks about 
the mail that he's getting about the Flyers not tanking because this okay. is this is a lot of fun. John, this is maybe a tougher question, so I want to make sure I articulate it correctly. But you've said on multiple occasions this year about you know we've made our bed in terms of you know fans being frustrated in terms of the crowds and whatnot, and we need to convince them we need to pull ourselves out of it. Mm-hmm. Some fans look at this run recently and they say, you know, we're rebuilding and now you're just messing up our lottery position by winning games. I guess, Stop does it. that frustrate you at all? To hear that? Yes, and, and I, I, on my radio show the other day, I even believe the mail I get. <laughs> just, just stop sending me mail about tanking. There, there's, there's no such thing with professional athletes tanking. They would not be able to live with themselves if they went home <laughs> and did something to try to disturb an outcome of a game. Uh, it, 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 is, it is asinine to, uh, to, to don't, just don't bring up that subject. It, it, it's wrong. Uh, am, I, am I answering your question? Yeah. And there are hockey gods, too. They're there. And uh, you, you, you go about your business the right way each and every day. You look yourself in the mirror and you say, did I give everything? And you live with the circumstance. And eventually, if you do it the right way, you're going to come out on the right side of it. And, um, yeah, I, you would not believe my mail. It's, it's crazy. And, and I appreciate the, the want, you know, of winning and getting back to where we want to be. You don't do it by tanking. You do it the way we're going to do it here and not blowing everything up, finding – uh, I wish people could look at maybe this kid Tyson Forster say, man, there's a, there's a piece right there maybe that fits next year. Look at it that way. We we're trying to find things to build, and then you backfill. I've said it all along. You, you don't go for the big one. You go for the backfilling. And that that's, to me, how you build in Philly here. So basically the, the long and short of that was, and by the way, the point that everybody really, like that I at least am laughing at is because so Charlie O'Connor is the one who's asking the question there and even says there's fans who are now saying you're you're like we're rebuilding and now you're ruining the draft lottery spot or whatever. And you I'm pretty sure you could just you you heard it. John Tortorella goes, stop it. Stop. Like it. he doesn't give. Great. He doesn't care. He does. Well, he does. Care. No. And but and, and his further explanation was, is we have to do it the right way from a standpoint of. Look, there are hockey gods, and you make your own circumstances. You got to go out and give it, give it everything you've got, and yep. do it, and and play the right way, and then you you backfill off of what comes through. You don't blow it all. Like, funny, you don't blow it all up right now. Hey, by the way, did you hear the rumor that Charlie is going to be in the dunk, dunk tag at the carnival? That's today? not a rumor; it's confirmed. It's true. Yes. Oh, I can't oh, he, wait to see the video. He's not the only one. Um, Sam Filippo's doing it too. I saw. Nice. Okay, so next oh, year, yeah. Darso. Next year, Darso. I don't know. No one's asked me. I don't know. I, I have nothing to do with the carnival today. I have a day off. Listen, Va- Valerie, whoever's in charge of the carnival, <laughs> Valerie. Don't get Val Camillo on me. Kevin Durso for Dunk Tank. Come on. Make <laughs> I, it happen. You know, what it, no, you know what it is? I don't think enough people know who I am for me to, for them to care to come up and donate. Kevin Durso Dunk, Dunk Tank. Me. Make it happen. Let's go, baby. Either all way, right. I got you. Let's, so anyway, let's put a bow on this part yeah. and do all this. because So no teams tanking. And listen. The same time the Flyers have won four out of five, Columbus won in overtime against the Islanders, who's who are a playoff team right now. Right. Chicago beat Boston. Montreal's won some games lately. Vancouver's been on a hot streak since the coaching change. Right. Nobody's given up. 
Right. Nobody's deliberately trying right. to lose. Nobody's if, throwing games. And I, what I just want to say about this is if you're going to be frustrated as a fan with what the Flyers are doing today, it's then you've got it all. Well, no, no, then you've got it all wrong because and here's why. It's easy to look at the wins in four of the last five and, and, and points in five straight and wonder what exactly does this accomplish at this time of year. But the reality is that this season, your hopes that hinged on Connor Bedard and Adam Fantilli and the possibility of getting these things, they were equally as dashed by your October and by your January as That's they fair. were right now. And they, to be they, honest, winning a couple of games is going to cost you like half a percentage point, and it's a lottery anyway. Right. Like it's not well, it's not that dramatic of a difference in terms well, of the it percentages. Is, it is a little bit, and I'll get into not, that. Really not not outside of the top five, which is where they're going to be. Well, no, well, that's that's where it's dramatic. That's I the problem. That's cool. And sure, if right. you were in the bottom right. five, like, but you probably should have been. But the point that I'm making is, so the Flyers won five games and had 11 points in October, which was basically half of a month right. for regular season purposes. In January, right before the All Star break, it from December 29th to January 28th that month. They won 10 games and got 22 points in the standings. Four wins and nine points in the last week is not what ruined these chances. Ooh. It's the whole thing. The problem with the current run is that it comes when the team, when A, the team is out of it, obviously. And yes, the reason that you're, you're encouraged by things is Owen Tippett's doing this and Tyson Forrester's doing this and Joel Farabee's doing this. And by the way, Forrester's the player he, the Tortorella brought up in that whole thing about people should be encouraged by Tyson Forrester. That's not false, you know? Tyson Forrester should we should be encouraged that Tyson Forrester is helping your team win games in March of a year that's been otherwise lost as a you know fresh off of his debut and Absolutely. Joel Farabee's picked it back up and the year that Noah Cates has had and kind of the quietly good year that Morgan Frost has put together and things that Travis Sanheim has done lately and Carter Hart's been doing all year but it wasn't like this was all season long maybe not for Carter Hart but like all season long where it was like how many games did the Flyers win in October because of Kevin Hayes and Travis Konechny? How many yeah. games did they win in January because or get a point in because of Tony D'Angelo or James Van Riemsdyk contributing regularly? Yep. It's it's one thing if you've progressively gotten better with the way that you're playing today from October on. And it's, hey, we were winning games, even if it was out of the gate, whatever the case may be, we're winning because of these kids. Instead, it was a bunch of veterans because Kevin Hayes has four points in the last 18 games or something like that. Like, yeah. That's not like... So he helped you win a bunch of games in October and maybe a couple in January, too, to be honest. Yeah, I might have to edit not really my statement. I might have to edit my statement when I said nobody's given up. <laughs> it's it's pretty bad. But but that's the thing. It's not like that's been the case. It wasn't the case at the beginning. So when you look at the draft odds, if look, if you're somehow to land one of the top two, which is always still a possibility if you're in the top 10, which they're going to be then you're getting a superstar if you land one of the top two. Simple as that. You are getting a superstar player. Absolutely. If you finished in the bottom five of the standings, let's say fifth, like I said last week, then you could still move up or get a really good player in the five to seven range because that's where Absolutely. you're picking. One, one, two, five, six, or seven. That's where you're picking. Yep. Now you're playing yourself into the seven not to nine range, and that's where you are today. And it and look, and that's you, where you, you start still, seeing the fallout. Fall off. Well, you could look, you could still get a good player. But is it going to be the high-end talent that they lack? Well, and it, will rely, and it will rely a little more on that player being developed. Which, in fairness, they've made two – as far as I'm concerned, they've made two really good development calls in the last little while, which is, number one, making sure – you know, giving, giving Tyson Forrester a shot, 
allowing him to stick for a little bit, and then making sure he's back for the playoff run. I mean, they did it a little bit out of order for my liking. But Fair. Still, but still, he's going back for the stretch run of the playoffs. And if, look, if we don't see him for the rest of the year at the NHL level, then fine by me. He, he showed you something. We got something to build he'll on. Be back, he'll be back next year. Yep. The, the really good developmental decision they made, Cutter Gauthier. Okay. Yep. Going back to Cut, which which they didn't really have to make. Say he kind of made that one. But 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 I'm sure. But if he was but if he was advised in any way about going back, he is was better. Advised to stay. But if he was advised that way, that is the right call. As much as you would love to see what he can do after playing in college for you, having a really good college season and doing it at a pro level, the best thing for him is exactly what I said when when they draft him. You've got time. Take it. Let him grow. Let him play with supposedly Boston College has a really good freshman class coming in. He'll now be a sophomore on that team. Maybe you've got hopes to do something at the NCAA level next year if you're BC, and he's going to be one of your leaders. Oh, yeah. And that's a big deal. That's big for his development to do it at that level first and then still possibly in a position be, a, be in a position where he needs that full year in the AHL before he's ready to. Sure. Go ahead and take it. Please take it. Rebuild means patience. Let's, exactly. Let's and, and, and if you're trying to do this at three, you know, at, at two or three years, you're doing it wrong. So yep. that's the right move. And that's where kind of everything sits. Want to want to real quick before we get out of here, hit, hit this really quick. And uh... yeah, um, in, in case you missed it, it was announced over the last couple of days here that Coatsy's retiring. And I think Friday been... morning. OK, that's what I thought. I wasn't sure. I heard yeah, about it Friday on morning. Saturday. But uh, yeah, okay. no, it was Friday morning. OK, uh, yes. but either way, if you've been consuming Flyers games for really any portion of your life then you've probably encountered Steve Coates. Uh, he's yep. been on the radio for the last little while. He was on the TV broadcast for a long time before that. Uh, most famously known probably for Coatsy's Corner, uh, which brought yep. us the infamous bub segment. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and it was the best segment. It was great. And, you I mean, know, we grew up on this stuff too, so that's another part of right. it. Right. And... Uh, I just want to wish Coatsy a heartfelt congratulations on a wonderful career. I think it's something like 43 years with the organization. It's 43 years of broad, I think of broadcasting in some way or whatever. Incredible, incredible service to the organization. Thank you so much. And I know we already said we're not doing a show next weekend. So I'm going to say this now and I'm going to say this because it's going to, because it'll have happened by then. They are doing something for him prior to the game next Saturday against Buffalo. So there's going to be a big, kind of a big celebration type thing with that. And that, that'll be cool. That'll be cool to see. Yeah. He, you know, he's one of, look, you can say what you will about him being around for the amount of years that he's been around, because I think like people just associate tenure in, in a kind of negative way with the right. Flyers organization. This is one of the nicest people in the Flyers organization. Absolutely. At, at, listen, as you would expect from Coatsy, he'll talk to anybody. I mean, it's, he will talk if to anybody. If you've listened to a segment that he's been in, you'll know that. But yes, so he'll right. talk to anybody, and that's so it's awesome that he's kind of getting to go out on his terms and and do this the way that he wants to, and it's pretty cool. So absolutely, and then I can Congra- wrap it. Congrats can, on a great career, Coatsy. Absolutely, congratulations, and uh, then I can rapid fire this NHL standings update real quick. Uh, in the East, most of the divisional spots are locked. The wild card is basically down to the Islanders, the Penguins, and the Panthers. The Panthers are currently on the outside looking in. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the West, it's uh, a little more wide open. The wild card is basically down to Winnipeg and Nashville at this point for that last wild card spot. Calgary's still hanging around there, but it's going to be tough for them. 
All right, that was the rapid-fire NHL standings update. Nice. Uh, that'll do it for us here on this show. Find us everywhere you find us, your podcast. Find us on sportstalkphilly.com. Follow Kevin on Twitter at Kevin underscore Darso. Follow the show at YWT Podcast. And uh, I think I'm going to keep it a little shorter today. I think I'm going to cut it there, and we're going to get out of here, and yep. we'll be back in two weeks and say goodbye to this studio. See ya. Yeah.